podcast you've been looking for all along. Step into the life of urban exploration with guests from around the world. Welcome to No Tracers. Good day, everybody. How's it going? My name is Kay, and I am the host of the No Tracers podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Hope you guys are having a great one. This week on the podcast, I'm speaking with Board Moms Club Urbex, and I can't wait for you guys to hear how this username was created. It's actually from an urban exploring story. So stick around. You have a lot of amazing stories to hear in this episode. But before we get into it, I just want to say a few things. First of all, thank you so much for the support on this podcast. We're almost at 10,000 plays on uh, Apple Podcasts, and that is absolutely amazing. I really appreciate you guys so very much. You are the absolute best. And secondly, if you guys didn't know, I actually have a duffel bag out right now, a No Tracers duffel bag. So if you carry props around, if you carry uh, costumes into these abandoned places for your photography, for your modeling, check out the duffel bag. It's super cool. I love it. Very sturdy, very heavy duty. And I, I hope you pick one up. They look sick. They look super sick. I'm going to be using it for traveling from now on, and I hope you pick one up as well. Lastly, I need to thank our partner on this podcast, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, well, get ready to murder your thirst with this ad in 3, 2, 1. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death. Murder your thirst. So if you want 10% off your order at liquiddeath.com, head to liquiddeath.com and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Thank you, Liquid Death, for partnering with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening to another week of No Tracers. Without further ado, here is Board Moms Club Urbex. Please introduce yourself and how long you've been exploring to the No Tracers audience. Hi, um, I am Board Moms Club Urbex, and my name's Dee, and I've been exploring since uh, 2016, primarily with my partner in crime, Lee, yes, Lee, Lee and Dee, <laughs> but um, yeah, since 2016, we've been exploring. So what made you catch this bug in the first place? Like, take me into your first exploration ever, and what made you kind of get hooked on, on this hobby? Um, it, it's based, it's a really funny story, actually. It actually is how we got our name, or I got my name. I'm going to oftentimes refer to we, because everywhere I explore, I just explore with Lee. So if you miss me saying we or I, it's the same thing. But, um... My dad passed away actually in 2016 and he was an artist and I took a girl's trip and we decided we were going to do the cat skills and I had three girls with me that had never explored. I had never explored and I happened to be looking around on the internet and saw a, uh, 
saw a bunch of posts about the Hudson River State Hospital, which I don't mind saying because I'm pretty much done. Um, and I just convinced them, one pregnant, another one in kitten heels, and myself and my friend Lee to go check it out. We had no idea what we were getting into, and um, <laughs> we had no idea what to expect. We were really, really stupid. Um, but yeah, that was our first explore, actually. Wow, that's crazy. Like, I've heard tons of stuff about that place. And like you said, like, it's it's pretty much done now, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. not it's not really like a spot that people are going to anymore. No, we were so we were so naive. And we had no idea what we were doing. We literally drove our car past the security booth and parked right directly in front of the building <laughs> and got out and, and just explored and we did get caught that day and that's that's how we kind of came up with, that's how I came up with the name we got caught by security but only after we had been there for about four hours so that was pretty good um, but when he caught us he wasn't convinced that we were there to explore so we looked so unprepared and he asked us if we were just a bunch of bored moms. So I was like, all right, there we go. Bored moms club. Yep, that's what we are. We just <laughs> were a bunch of bored moms hanging out. So that's how we got our name from the security guard at Hudson River State Hospital. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Thank you to that security guard for the inspiration. Yeah, for people that don't know about Hudson River, um, just a little like insight for everybody listening. Uh, operated in 1873 until it was closed in the early 2000s. It's a Kirk Bride, uh, which is like very old school, uh, like Gothic Victorian architecture. And it was a uh, very commonly used out on like the Northeast, uh, where a lot of a lot of these institutions were very similar in like architecture. And out here in the West, like West Coast, we don't really see Kirk Brides. And we don't often see those kind of buildings anymore because they're not built that way anymore because of like, I think it's like a regulation thing. I don't know, but you don't see like that Gothic architecture anymore, even for like churches and stuff. Like it's very rare to see a new church with that like Gothic architecture. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with, um, because I'm really big into researching. I'm actually a better researcher than I am a photographer. I'm definitely... I, I definitely don't flaunt my photography skills at all. Um, but I really do think those Kirk Brides, in my opinion, they were built in that manner because they were, it was basically a marketing tool. It was trying to give, convince the family members of rich aristocrats that they could send their family members there and it would be an up-class, upstanding hospital, right? Little did they know that behind the big facades at the front with all the beautiful architecture usually tended to be just typical wards. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the stuff that happened during these times was very dark. You know, there was a lot of dark things that happened to the patients that were at these places, children, you know, there was experimentation, all kinds of different things that went on behind the closed doors of these places. And I think that's another thing that kind of draws us in as urban explorers is that like dark history and being able to walk around these sites and see and feel like what it was like to walk those hallways and, and kind of experience that a little bit. Um, Absolutely. So 
so for you, when did the photography come into play? I know you just said like you don't flaunt your photography, but like when did you pick up a camera? When did you start documenting uh, your your explorations? Um, well, as soon as as soon as I did as soon as I did that first explore, I just want I just came home and I just dived into researching and I just wanted to do more. And um, the two of the girls that had went with um, me were not interested. My friend Lee was very very interested. So we, um, we planned a trip for like two months later, a six day road trip, like eight weeks later. And I went and purchased my very first camera, never had done photography before, literally had no idea what I was doing with it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, just started from there. Wow. That's amazing. I love that you were immediately like drawn to the the urban exploring and was so like around like what time was this like what year was this was instagram like big with like the urbex community or was this like kind of before that um well in 2016 when i when we did that first trip and i went to the hudson river state hospital we went four more times that year and we i'm canadian so uh, my friend Lee and I, we would just book five to six day road trips and we were pretty much going every two to three months over to the States and just diving into exploring every chance we got. Wow. Did you ever like have the fear of getting caught and like arrested as a Canadian in America? Like, was that ever like something that you were like anxious about? Because like, I've explored in, you know, the greater Toronto area. I've seen a couple different abandoned places up in that area. But, like, obviously, as an American, I'm like, I don't want to get caught over there. So did you ever have, like, that anxiety of, of getting caught in, and or potentially arrested in America? I typically don't um, have much anxiety around getting caught. I'm I'm not, you know... I'm not naive in what the repercussions are. We all understand that, you know, there's arrests and fines and, um, you know, other things, but I work in, I work in corrections myself. And so I kind of understand the job that the police and security have to do. And I know how I would like to be approached if I was being approached by someone you know, intruding at my work or trying to intrude at my work. So I, I honestly just, I don't really have a lot of anxiety about people. And that's just mm. my thing. I'm, I'm more concerned about weak floors. My friend Lee, she is all about, she is scared of people. She just does not want to run into anybody. But myself, I, I usually can talk my way out of things. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love that, you know, you're more afraid of the building itself than the people in the building. I think that that's very unique. And uh, speaking of like being in corrections and things like that, I mean, you and I talked a little bit before this podcast about like your kind of experience in, in that realm. And you had mentioned that you actually got to explore an abandoned place inside an active prison. Can you talk more about that story and kind of share like that experience? Because like, who gets to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually a really, really cool thing. Um, I just gambled and I found out who the um, warden was of the correctional institution. And I simply wrote a letter and um, I wrote a letter. I was completely honest in the letter 
in what my intentions were and what I was hoping to do. And I had found out that the, in the middle of this correctional facility sat um, the original administration building, which looked very much like a Kirkbride style. And they had it cordoned off um, and they were going to be demolishing it. So the active uh, correctional institution, which actually is very, very old and used to be a psychiatric hospital before it became a prison, um, was built all the way around this building. So I just, you know, I honestly just threw a letter out. I got permission and um, we had like a very interesting explore that day because we had uh, four armed uh, prison guards with us, escorting us through the prison to get to the abandoned building. Wow. What an experience that yeah. must have been for you guys. Like, that's so that's so fascinating. Like, I've been to, like, I, I mentioned on Instagram to you, like, I've been to a couple, like, youth prisons and youth detention centers and things like that. And I even went to one in uh, North Carolina where it was, like, the old abandoned detention facility. And it was, like, just a bunch of different houses where they used to house the kids. And then I, yeah. like, launched my drone up to get, like, an aerial view of the surrounding area turned my drone and there was the active detention center that they had rebuilt like just down the hill and I was like Mm -hmm. oh my god we're like so close to this place we gotta go (laughs) yeah the crazy crazy. thing when we were at the one that we were in um in New York State uh the whole time we were there I was hearing gunshots the entire time I was there and I was like of course I'm talking to the officers and asking a hundred questions uh, my friend Lee is shitting her pants <laughs> because we're literally walking past inmates and um, yeah, like they, all their, all their guards have to do 30 minutes of gun training every single shift. So wow. the entire time, the entire time you're there, you're hearing guns going off continuously and that, and they have like, of course the towers and you can see, you can see them checking you out and watching you and everything. And, it just really put a new spin on things. That's for sure. Wow. I can't imagine being there as like an inmate and just constantly hearing those, that gunfire all the time. Like that's gotta be like, so like not only like irritating, but like I would have so much anxiety all the time just from like hearing that. So I, I don't blame your friend for shitting her pants the whole time. Like I get, I get it. (laughs) I probably would be too. I'd be like, I'm gonna get shot up in here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So for new people that are just getting into the hobby of urban exploration, do you have any gear recommendations? And this could be like the pair of shoes you wear, the backpack you carry, a flashlight, anything like that? Um, I have actually, because I listened to your podcast, I was trying to think of some of the different things that I bring and um, that I haven't heard other people talk about that people might find interesting. Mm-hmm. And... I am like an over anxious mom because I am a bored mom. (laughs) So one of the things that I bring with me actually is a naloxone kit. Do you know what that is? I don't, but please tell me. (laughs) Okay. So a naloxone kit is um, the kits that the health departments hand out for free for um, when you come upon somebody that's overdosed or if you've touched a dangerous substance and it's like gotten into your skin or that, that you could have an adverse reaction to. And it gives you time to call 911. 
So <laughs> I actually carry a free naloxone kit in my bag because I don't wear gloves and um, I am always like, I never know. There's a lot of sketchy places you're going into. There's a lot of needles on the ground sometimes. Yeah. You know, you're stepping on needles sometimes. And my, you know, my worst fear is one goes through my runner or that. So I, I'm over prepared. I got the naloxone kit. So that's one thing I carry. Um, some people might find that funny, but <laughs> maybe, hopefully I never have to use it, but at least I have it. Um, another thing that I have that I really suggest getting, it's called a burr paw. Not, have you okay. heard of one of these? I I feel like I have, but uh, tell me tell me what it, it is. It's fantastic. It's basically almost like a um, a velcro mitt that um, you can you can um, like scan over your pants or your clothing to get all the burrs off from like walking oh. through the walking through the um, the grass and that, and then. Um, we carry lint. I carry lint roller because it's. I find it's the easiest thing to get ticks off. So before I get back in my vehicle, I just roll my whole like whole, whole body with a lint roller, and they like stick to the lint roller, and it comes off really easy. I Besides, never even considered a lint roller for ticks. Like that's yeah. genius and so simple. Yeah, it works so good. It really, really works good. And um, I think you know, probably just, um, our masks, like our respirators. Mm -hmm. I didn't have them for the first couple trips. And every night when we used to go back to, uh, the hotel or that you'd always end up having a runny nose or an itchy throat or, you know, we are constantly, constantly getting itchy throats. And I'm like, okay, enough of this. Like there's mold everywhere. We have to get a good respirator. Exactly. Yeah. And those are, I mean, for people listening, those are super easy to find, go on Amazon, go to Home Depot, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, they've got them everywhere. So they're readily available for you. Um, For you, can you talk about the mentality of an urban explorer? Like what, what makes you do this? Like, what do you get out of it? Well, for me, I, it's a reflection and it goes back. I, I know that I've tied it to my grief of my dad passing Um, At that time, I think one of the things that attracted me to urban exploring was seeing the beauty in death and seeing the beauty in decaying things. I mean, we've all seen those amazing immaculate churches with, you know, the roofs blown out and the sunbeams coming through or the snow gently falling. And I don't know anybody that could look at those and not think that they look beautiful. And so I really did make a connection when I was in these places and it was real quiet that um, I found a bit of peace in my grief process of dealing with my dad's death. So I, kn- I know now um, my focus is more so on the backstories and the history of the places that I go because when I go into them, I want to know what happened there. I want to know why it's important. I want to know, you know, like what substantial historical things happen there so I can envision it because I do I do kind of think in pictures that way um, so I think that's probably the main thing that draws me to it I really find it's a really um, for me it's a really healthy escape 
um, you know, I could have dived into drinking and doing drugs or, or, you know, whatever. But I think this was a much safer option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And speaking of safety and that kind of thing, uh, do you have any urban exploration injury stories you can share? Um, I, well, I stepped on a nail once, um, but I had had my tetanus shot, so I was fine. It was not really a big deal. Um, lots of bruises, lots of scrapes. I did have, um, I was trying to get into, uh, a hard to get into asylum and I couldn't get over the fence. Uh, because of barbed wire and there seemed to be a uh, area underneath that had been pulled up previously by someone so it was fantastic it was pulled up towards the outside so <laughs> it was all right for the first person to get through because the second person could hold up that side mm. of the fence but when i tried to crawl through i was the second person there was no one to hold it so I did end up getting the chain link fence like embedded across the top of my thighs. <laughs> but that's probably the worst of it. I mean, I've had friends, um, it, you know, it is very dangerous. We, we kind of all know this, but um, one of the scariest stories that I think I've heard and I heard firsthand is one of my fellow exploring friends from Buffalo. Um, I won't say his name because he won't want me to, but he, um, he actually was exploring on top of an uh, abandoned hospital and some teenagers had set fire in the stairwell, the only stairwell going up, and he actually had to be rescued by the fire department because he couldn't wow. get out. Yeah, he couldn't oh get down God. the stairs. Yeah, Holy he was choked out. That's so scary. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I hate, I hate that. I hate hearing that. Like that is gotta be like a horrible experience, but I mean, thank God he was able to be rescued in the situation. Yes. Like that could have yeah. gone horribly, but thank goodness he got out of there. Um, and then can you tell me what your most dangerous or risky exploration was? Oh, um, well, I, I don't know about most dangerous. Um, the one that I felt was the most dangerous was um, we were exploring a resort in the Poconos. And as we were, as I was coming out of one of the buildings, I saw a, a gentleman walking down the roads towards me with a gun. And I turned around and a car quickly pulled up behind me. And then like a 15 year old came out with a rifle, like a huge gun and started questioning me about if I had been in the building. And um, I managed, thank God I was trying to, <laughs> oh my God, I was trying to play around with my camera and adjust it while my friend was in the woods taking a pee. And mm -hmm. I was playing with my with my focus and that, and on these stupid on the side of this tree there was these mushrooms. So the last like twenty pictures on my on my camera actually weren't of the building. We had been in the building for like three oh. hours, but um, oh. the the huh. last like twenty pictures on my camera were these mushrooms. So when he kept saying, "I know you've been in there. I know you've been in there," like. 
I'm calling the cops and he has this gun pointed at me and I'm like, I swear to God, I'm, I'm literally just taking pictures of these mushrooms and these plants. My friend is going pee in the woods. And he was like, I don't believe you. Show me your camera. So I flashed him like the last like 10, 15 pictures on my camera, which were all of this stupid mushrooms at the side of the road. And he was like, okay, well, if it wasn't for those mushrooms, I'd definitely be holding you here by gunpoint until the cops come. Damn. <laughs> wow. So That's that was crazy. probably maybe the scariest. Oh, for sure. That's terrifying. I've like I've I've heard a couple stories about people getting held up at gunpoint, shot at, things like that on this show and it's like every time I'm like why why did it come to the gun? Like why did you pull yeah. a gun out? Like that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the only other thing is um we had a probably about a 35 pound chain thrown out a window at us once. Um we had it was it was at Grossinger's, which is now long gone. One of one of my favorite first places I went. But um, there was a lot of squatters at Grossinger's, and they would signal each other on the pipes. So when a photographer is coming in to go to the pool, which is where everybody wanted to shoot, you mm. could hear going down the building them um, communicating by hitting on the uh, hitting on the cop on the pipes. I don't know how much copper's left, but hitting on the pipes. And so I just, the way I am, I'm, I don't know. I, some people may not agree with it. I just announced myself. I was like, I'm here to take pictures of the pool. I'm not coming upstairs. I'm not coming to the rooms. I'm not going to bother you. We're taking pictures of the pool and we're leaving. And, um, and then they just like stopped signaling each other. And then on our way out, I made the mistake of popping my head into a, another room and that's when, like, a 35-pound chain came out the window at me. Damn. Wow. Oh, my God. So, so uh, I mean, what's the longest what amount do? of time? Yeah, right? Up. Like, that's crazy. What's the longest amount of time you've spent in one location? Um, The longest amount of time that I've been in a location has probably been six hours. Um, it was a resort in the Catskills. I'm just going to say it's a tower resort. A lot of people know the resort with the tower. And in 2016, it was completely untouched still. At the beginning of 2016, that there's no graffiti. It wasn't ruined. They were still investing money into hopefully reopening it. And um, we went and literally just smoothed our way with the security guard into letting us look around it. And he was like, take your time, just uh, take your time. Just don't get injured. And if you get injured, don't call me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we, so we spent about six hours there. We got to check out every building we got to, I kind of at the time felt, and I'm sure I, I know for a fact I wasn't one of the first ones there, but it felt to me like I was because it was just untouched, right? Like there was when you go to a place and you see it clean and fresh with no graffiti and doors are locked and you know it's mm. secure. You feel like you're one of the first people to get in. Oh, for sure, and, and it's, it's such a cool feeling, feeling being fantastic. one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like being one of the first people at a location that's untouched. And, you know, the, the crazy thing about that is like, if you go back to that place multiple times, you'll kind of see it fall into disrepair and fall into the hands of the vandals and the graffiti artists and things like that, like over time. And I've always thought that that is fascinating. Um, yeah. And then, well, do you have any... especially. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, okay. you're good. I was well, going to ask you another interesting. One, but... Yeah, it's just, to me, it's interesting to see the decline, but it's kind of a little bit heart wrenching, too, because mm -hmm. um, some of these places, like the history is just so, so diverse. And <laughs> the stories and the stuff you can find online about these places and the people who performed and the families that ran them. Um, their customs, um, their religious beliefs, like you could literally, I think that first trip from the Catskills, at least when I came home, I probably immediately ordered like 10 books off, off of Amazon. I just wanted to dive into everything I could find about the Catskills. I was just amazed. It was like totally different world to me being down there. So, um, yeah, it is sad when you see the places starting to crumble away in that, but, um, mm -hmm it makes you feel good that you could at least see them once, you know, or you could see yeah. them maybe not in their heyday, but you were there, you were in the spot. Oh, for sure. I even posted a, uh, an Instagram reel today of a water park that we have out here. And, uh, some, some kids had like burned down one of the buildings. And I was saying like, this is why urban explorers don't share their locations because of things like this that happen and it's devastating you know it's, it is like you said heart-wrenching to see that kind of stuff like i wish our spots could remain untouched and and un unmessed with you know but i mean i guess that's yeah. a part of social media and youtube and all these things that we've kind of uh been i i, I don't know how to like say it like i feel like we've kind of been a part of the reason that things like that happen because we are like putting these places out there and like some people are saying the locations and things like that. And I think that it's important mm -hmm. to, for explorers out there to like keep your locations to yourself. Like don't blast them all over the internet and like post the coordinates. Like I know people on Facebook that post literal coordinates to locations. Like that's not, oh, not God. the way. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And I, the one thing that I let, I, to each their own. Everybody has their own style, sure. their own, uh, you know, creative, creative ideas of what they want to shoot and that. But if for me personally, I just want to go, I want to get into a place that has stuff. I want to get into a place that I can like, Oh my God, look at these letters that were left over mm. and, and look at these pictures. And you know, there, there's a resort in the Catskills that's just full of everybody's belongings. Like the whole thing, most people know about it, but the whole thing is just full of belongings. And then like, when you go into some of these places, you think, don't the family members want this stuff back? Aren't the people yeah. that left this w wondering like what happened to their, you know, family heirlooms. And like, I like digging into that kind of stuff. I'm not really, I'm not really huge on, I think like, you can get some beautiful pictures at big, huge factories, big, huge industrial sites. Um, mm -hmm. but until my photography gets a little bit better, I feel that, um, <laughs> I'm better putting that on the back burner just because, um, like the beautiful, I've seen beautiful shots and that, but I'm just so interested in history. Oh, for sure. And mm -hmm. one of the most fascinating things for me is 
like going into like you were talking about like finding those those artifacts and things like that and like wondering like what don't they want this stuff like don't they wonder like what happened like mm-hmm. i i went to portugal and uh was with my dad and we had this tour guide that took us on like a tour of the like the city and like all these historical places and I had done some research and I was like, hey, so I heard about this abandoned 360 degree panoramic restaurant and it's abandoned. Like, yeah. do you know anything about it? And the guy was like, yeah, I'll take you there tomorrow. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> so we ended up going yes, to this please. abandoned restaurant and it was like it had like a built in parking lot, like an old casino and like a, the restaurant was on the very top. And it was such a cool exploration one because the security guard on site let us go in he was like yeah you guys can just go park inside it's fine and so we go in and we're there and the whole time i was like wondering because you can find like the architect that built it on online like you can find his name and everything and i I want to find him and ask him like what do you think of it now like i think it would be so cool to go explore it again with him and like interview him about like what's become of his the property he built because it's so yeah. unique for that area. Oh my God. Yeah. I just love that stuff. I mean, one, yeah. um, one location we were, one location we were at, um, was like a hillside hospital type thing. When we came out, a lady came off her porch and she was like, Oh, you didn't get caught. That's good. Do you know much about that place? And I was like, well, we're just researching it. We're just, you know, interested in the stories and that it was a sanitarium and um, it was like a health resort at one point in time. And she's like, Oh, let me show you my mom's, my mom's uh, scrapbook she made. And she brought out this like hundred year old scrapbook that had maybe like 50, 60 pages of like all original advertisements and the floats they had in the parade and the competitions they held and the bake sales and the cost, you know, the, the wardrobe like wardrobe that the nursing staff wore and we just sat on her porch and she like literally asked us if we wanted to drink and went through this whole album and she was happy to talk to us she was happy that people were interested in the building no different than Grossinger's the first year I went to Grossinger's the golf course was still open and the two guys that were working at the golf course um they were more than happy to just sit on the porch and like talk our ears off about tons of stories and, you know, things that had happened that hadn't been put in the paper and, you know, just incredible details that you can't get unless you talk to somebody that was actually there. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Just love it. Love talking yeah. to the people. Yeah, and it's rare that we get that opportunity to talk to people that are close to the building, that are close to, like, the the history and know about it, you know. And my mm-hmm. favorite thing is when I go to, like, a small town after I explore, I try to find somebody that knows something about it. it similar to, like, what, what it sounds like you do or what you've done with these particular places. Like, I think that that is super cool to be able to get more into the history of the places so for you, do you have any bucket list items, places you haven't been to yet that you're like itching to go to? Um, you know what? I do have my bucket list is like not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> so my bucket list would like include places that don't exist anymore. So I don't oh. know if you could even call that a bucket list. <laughs> I don't know if you could even call it it's an imaginary bucket list, maybe. 
I think for the longest time, I was really, really obsessed with um, that Castle Miranda, mm. the Chateau de Noisy. It, you see pictures of it all over the place. I just, there was a lot of history about it. There was a lot of YouTubers um, exploring it. So there's a, there's tons of information online about it. Um, I believe it's mostly tore down now. Um, they couldn't save it. I know they were trying to save money to save it for the longest time. Um, but it was just a fairy tale castle, right? Like it's just over in Europe, like absolutely unbelievable place. And then you're going to laugh at this one because this is like down in down in your area. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. <laughs> Again, completely unrealistic. I would have died to explore Neverland Ranch. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, it's just such an off, off the wall, offbeat, unrealistic thing. But... Uh, at one point in time when it was empty and, you know, they weren't having real estate agents running through there, I would have, mm. I would have like, that would have been on my to-do list for sure. That's so interesting. It's okay. Like, it, it's a crazy place. No, it's a crazy place. Like, I totally get it. Like, I completely understand why you would mm -hmm. want to explore that place. It's so fascinating. Um, and then yeah. if you could live in one abandoned place that you've explored for an entire week, which place would it be? Ooh. Um, well, I think it's, it's going to be an off the wall one. It's actually just a little tiny house, um, in, uh, Northern New York state, but it has a crazy, crazy history. I don't think anybody else has been there. Um, I'm going to see how I can say it without it getting getting out there but it's yeah. it's basically a it's it's a small it's a small house in the woods that was a relief spot in the 50s and 60s for people in the city that were lgbtq or trans to come and live their life freely and openly on vacation and um it it was just a spot that because I knew there was a lot of feelings involved with the people that had stayed there, a lot of feelings involved with the people who had run it. Um, I think I would probably want to stay there. Like it was a really good, warm feeling place. It wasn't fantastic. It was just like a regular house, but um, definitely being there, I got that, you know, um, I got that feeling of, you know, shivers but in the good way you know like it, mm. it felt warm and welcoming and yeah I probably want to stay there that sounds awesome like that sounds like such a cool little spot like that's that's the kind of place that I would want to go for sure like that makes total mm -hmm. sense um and then my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started exploring um Probably not everybody is going to be your friend. <laughs> not everybody's out to be a friend and be helpful. Um, that's probably one thing. Um, I just, being in, on Instagram, being on Facebook, we all know the drama that comes and goes. Um, trying to keep those that are legit, you know, 
partners in crime, if you want to call that, by your side is it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of gathering to do that. I mean, sifting through people. If you're looking to expand the people you explore with, um, I've had lots of experiences where it just ends up people just want your pins or yeah. um, people want to talk down to you because, you know, your photography isn't at, at their standard of, you know, photography or your gear isn't as good as their gear, you know, and I personally, I'm just too old for that crap. <laughs> I just don't, yeah, it's real. just not my thing. If, if you're not there for the heart of it and you're not there for, um, for exploring and enjoying the moment, then I don't really want to be there with you. Right. So yeah. I'd probably no, just say sure. not everybody's your friend. Yeah. Don't trust, don't trust easily. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess we got to talk about save the decay real quick. I, I kind sure. of glossed over that, but yeah, tell me about getting involved with save the decay. And uh, we've obviously put out an episode about what you guys are doing over there right now. Um, but tell everybody like about getting involved with Save the Decay and that whole thing. So basically, I had just through through talking to um, a couple of other explorers, I literally just kind of met two people, Ivan and Brandy at the time. They were running Save the Decay. It didn't have that big of a following, and they were, you know, they were growing out of the urbex, uh, the urbexing and kind of going into some different things. So they really just offered me the site and I was like, okay, I'll take it on and I'll see what I can do with it. So we've been up now for the, since 2016 and gained, gained quite a bit of momentum that I'm happy with anyways, as far as followers and that, but the idea around, are um, around Save the Decay is to try to bring um, features that are worldwide or international, right? A lot of times um, you can see this, the same locations over and over and over again, and they're more, you know, of this side of the world. But I really wanted to expand it so that we could have moderators from, you know, different continents and, and um, just invite the whole community as a whole. So I've been running that since 2016, and right now, um, if they listen to your other podcast, you can hear information about a current uh, charity project that we're working on, and I actually think we're only about $250 away from our goals, so, so that's amazing news the last time I checked this morning. That's so awesome. Well, hey, congratulations on that, and... I'm super stoked for the future of everything you're doing and your explorations. Like I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for coming on no tracers and sharing your story with everybody. Well, thanks for doing this. All right, guys, that was D from board moms club urbex. I loved hearing how she got her username and all of her stories that she shared. Thank you D for coming on the podcast. If you guys haven't heard the Save the Decay episode, please go back and check that out. It came out a few weeks ago. That'll give you guys more information about what they're doing over there to uh, help out a friendly face in one of these abandoned places. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback. It helps the podcast out. It helps me out and it helps other people find us. If you do leave a rating and feedback on Apple Podcasts, I will actually send you a signed photo print of an abandoned place I've explored as a way of saying thank you. 
So just take a screenshot of it and DM it to me on Instagram at no.tracers. As always, stay strong, keep enduring, go out, go explore something, and remember, leave no trace.